Today we're going to finish our storytelling series. Uh, if this is your first week here, let me catch you up just real quickly. Um, the premise of this series is the belief that stories are powerful, that, that stories change us and influence others. Uh, pe- people love a good story. We love to hear a story of how someone persevered or, or how, how someone was delivered or, or how someone maintained hope no matter what they went through. We've spent time talking about how, how all believers should share their story and should tell it. E- each one of us has, has a story of, of what God has done. And in particular, we talked about how all believers have a story of mercy and much. God's been merciful to all of us who believe. We, we could all tell of times when we've not received what we should have received for our actions. And more specifically, we've all received mercy for our sinful disobedience against God. Through Jesus' death on the cross, God has shown us mercy that we do not deserve. And if, if this is all God had ever done for us, that would be enough. But I believe every one of us here could testify that God has done so much more. Uh, he, he has been so gracious to us. And, and we talked last week about how every story that believers share should find uh, an intersection with the cross. Jesus must be the hero of, of our story. It's through the cross that we're right with God, and it's in the cross that we find purpose for life, and it's in the cross that we find daily peace. So we, we need to, to emphasize when we tell our stories what Jesus has done for us in the cross. Now today we're going to shift gears. And we're going to talk about sharing the painful parts of our story. I plan my sermon series carefully each year, and I thought about week five of football season would be the perfect time to talk about the painful stories. But uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, the, but today we are going to talk about those times that we have uh, when life is tough, and sometimes life is hard. I heard about a cowboy on the western frontier who was riding along one day and he came across an Indian lying flat with his ear to the ground. And the Indian said, wagon, four horses, two passengers, woman wearing calico gown, heavy man driving 30 minutes away. That's amazing, the cowboy said. You can tell all that just by putting your ear to the ground? And the aggravated Indian said, no, him run over me 30 minutes ago. Life's hard sometimes. Maybe you feel like people deliberately run over you. A friend stabbed you in the back. A mate disappointed you. A co-worker lied about you, an employee knocked you down uh, uh, and left you wounded. Sometimes we, we, we feel like people have intentionally harmed us and life's hard when that happens. Sometimes life's hard because we just face painful circumstances. Your health is broken. Your house burns down. Your financial investment didn't work out. A loved one died. And, and these painful circumstances make life hard to, to, to deal with. Sometimes life is hard because you fell off the wagon on your own. You know, I mean, yeah, you, you, you can look around and you could want to 
give blame, but in reality you know that all fingers point back to you and life's hard because of what you've done. And and yes, you fell off the wagon and yes, you were the one that caused the pain, but now it seems like life continues to to back up and run over you repeatedly. Sometimes life is, is hard and filled with pain. Over and over the Bible warns of this reality. One of Job's would-be counselors, Eliphaz, says to Job in chapter 5, verse 7, he says, mankind is born for trouble just as surely as sparks of a fire go upward. Man will have pain, man will have trouble. Job himself says in Job 14, verse 1, man uh, born of woman is short of days and he is full of trouble. Life's life's hard, guys. We know it is. And it's even hard for people of God. None of our story is, man, I had this hard life, and I was upside down, and Jesus delivered me, and everything got easier, and life has been smooth from that point forward. That's all people face pain. Life can be filled with pain, and this can be hard for us to wrap our brain around. We can struggle to deal with why are there so many difficult things. Uh, People often don't know what to do with pain. It rocks families. It unnerves communities. It it deflates some people's hopes. Pain is difficult to navigate it. No one chooses the path of pain. No one desires to travel it. But we often find ourselves on that path. And and whether we turn on that road by our choice or we're detoured uh, on that road by circumstances beyond our control, pain is always a cul-de-sac to the Creator. Whenever we turn on the road of pain, we always find ourselves face-to-face with God. Regardless of your background, regardless of your faith, pain leads us into this intimate contact with with God. Whether it's the loss of a loved one or a physical hardship, when we have pain, we're left with questions, and they're questions that no one has good answers for. We're left with questions, why does does hardship happen? Why doesn't God fix it? Why would God do this to me? And this is... Where, where we go so often. God, why did you do this to me? When we hurt, we want to pin the blame on something or someone. And often that blame is turned to God. And some people see God as the one who causes all pain, but the Bible is clear. God is not the originator of pain. He permits it, but He's not the author of it. Whatever you go through, yes, he had foreknowledge that you were going to go through that, but he isn't the creator of that pain. Pain is the result of sin. From from Genesis chapter 3, we learn this. Pain is in the world because of sin. Because of sin, God said to the woman there would be pain in childbirth. Because of sin, God said to the man that he would have pain and labor as he worked to the ground. Life is hard because of sin. And ultimately, sin led to death. While our pain might not be the result of personal sin, and we can't affix that always to you did this wrong, that's why you're going through this, we can always say that anything that is hard in our life ultimately has its root in sin. Sin is the reason for for all hardship. now, Now, what we think about God's relationship to our pain is important. Because... 
in, in pain, we, we are set on a trajectory. And if we believe that God is the author of pain, we'll run from God. But if we believe that God is the author of comfort, we'll run to him. And this is, this is important for us to get. If you believe he's good, you'll go, God, I need your help. Where are you, God? Would you help me, God? If you believe he's evil, or you believe that he's bad, or if you believe that he's just up in heaven playing puppet with your life, then you'll run from him. And you'll run to other things. People run to substances to numb the pain. People run to relationships to numb the pain. People run to activity frenzies just to not have to think about the pain. Some people run to false gods. Others run to bitterness. C.S. Lewis, in his book, A Grief Observed, writes about losing his wife. And he says, I am not in danger of not believing that there is a God. In my pain, I am in danger of believing that God is not good. That's where people get sometimes in pain. But God's character is not defined by the hardships we face. God's character is defined by how he deals with us and meets us in those hardships. You see, we, we, we learn more about God in his response to our mess than we do as we simply acknowledge our mess. The way he helps us and the way he treats his children prove that he's good. Today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the second book of Corinthians. Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to look at a passage that talks about how, how God is good to us even in the midst of hardship. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 3. Now, while you're turning there, uh, the Corinthian church was a troubled church. We've talked about the church at Corinth the last couple of weeks. They were filled with hurting people. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul had to confront all kinds of problems from, from division to immorality within the membership. Uh, it, unfortunately, after his letter, he had to go and make a painful visit, he says, to the church at Corinth. And he confronts the troublemakers. Then he sent Titus to help out in the work. And Titus comes back and reports that things are getting better. But he also reports that the church is hurting. And hurting bad. Maybe they were hurting from dealing with their problems. Anytime a church has to deal with a mess, people get hurt. Maybe they were hurting because persecution was starting to spread around the kingdom and uh, 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 around Asia Minor and, and into Greece. Maybe, maybe they were hurting because of, of this. Maybe. We're not told why they were hurting so that we could put our own hurt in there. But for whatever reason, the, the, the church is... At Corinth is in a lot of pain. And let's go ahead and we'll start with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to God's church in Corinth, at Corinth. By the way, that is, should be the label of every church everywhere, God's church at. It's not a select group of elders church at. It's not even 
the majority vote in a Baptist business meeting church at. It is not the pastor behind the pulpit church at. It is God's church at. God's church at Corinth with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. Grace to you and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he, in verse 3, says, Praise God, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our affliction. The word affliction there is the leap. Thalipsis, it, it, it simply means pressure, but it's not, it's not just internal pressure, which it is, but it's also external pressure. So he uses this very broad term, and he says that in, in affliction, whether it comes at you from someone or from something, or it's just boiling up within you because you have this stuff going on, praise God that our God comforts us in all affliction. That, and not just some, notice he says, in all. Self-made affliction, God will bring comfort. He might not alleviate all your pain, but he will walk with you. Pain because you live in a rough world, he'll meet you there. Pain whenever individuals harm you, he'll meet you there. What's God's role in in hardship? He comforts us. And notice how Paul addresses God. In verse 3, he says, He is the Father of mercies and compassion. In in Jewish thought, the Father was the originator. Satan was called the Father of lies. That's where lies originate from Satan. Uh, God is seen as the originator uh, of two things here. He's the originator of mercy. Or your Bible might say compassion. Interesting word. It's where we get. It's it's connected to the words for. Uh, uh, here's my Western Kentucky coming out. Guts or bowels. It's connected to the depths of our being. This word for mercy and compassion is this something that's deep down feeling, deep down inside of you. And God is this God who is merciful and compassionate, not just on a surface level. If you need anything, give me a call, but I'm really going on vacation next week, so don't. If you need anything, I'm here because I feel your pain. I understand what you're going through. He is a God of mercy. He's also a God of comfort. The Greek word here is the word paraclete, or a form of that. You've heard of the word paraclete before. Jesus said if he left, he would send the paraclete, or the helper, referring to the Holy Spirit. And here he says that God is, is the, the, the father of, of, of the paraclete, which literally means to walk alongside. He is the God who not only feels what you're going through, but He walks with you through what you're going through. That is what He is the Father of. It's a deep comfort. Ten times the word comfort is used here. Now when we think of comfort, we often equate it with ease. But the Greek word here does not connotate ease with comfort, but rather strength uh, is what is, is pictured in this word. Our strength comes from the Lord. The world thinks if you get enough education, increase your wealth, or have more experience, you'll find 
comfort. But we know everyone, regardless of external factors, needs the Lord in pain. Because the Lord's the only one who can comfort. If you're not there, or have never been there, you will get there. Mark my word. Everyone will get there where you will have nowhere to turn except to the Lord. And He is comfort in our pain. Our testimony as believers, our story as believers, as He's walked with us. Now, we're not promised deliverance from pain, but we are promised that God will comfort us and walk with us. Now, starting at the end of verse 4, He starts to give us some purpose of pain. At the end of verse 4, He says... He comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. The first purpose of our pain is we've been comforted so that we can comfort others. When we face hardships, I don't know if you're like me, but if I'm going through something bad and I know of somebody who's gone through that before, I want to hear from them. You know, if 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 i'm if i'm struggling with a certain problem and i know that someone has has had that problem and and, and come through that problem i want to hear from them we want to know how they dealt with it how did you deal with wayward kids how did you deal with aging parents how did you deal with health issues how did you handle the loss of your spouse story of other people surviving pain brings comfort I didn't know a better way to say this than this, but oftentimes our misery becomes our ministry. If you understand bankruptcy, you're going to be much more sympathetic towards somebody who's facing that than somebody who's never gotten there. If you've been through a layoff, you can speak into somebody's life who's going through that. If you've had a rebellious child, you know the pain and and, and you have ears to hear. If you've had cancer, you, you understand what a person's walking through. If you face the death of a parent or the death of a spouse or the death of a child, you understand and oftentimes you will see in your life that that misery that you experience becomes the ministry that God will use. I'm not saying that, that you will like what you've gone through. In fact, God will often use in your life the chapter that you would rather tear out. He'll often use that which you would like to forget. But He will use it. And... and, and I don't want you to hear me saying, if you'll just get involved in ministry, your pain will go away and you'll feel so much better. I don't even believe that's the case. Ministry does not necessarily take away your pain, but it does redeem it. This side of heaven, misery might always feel miserable. And it might feel worse than the blessing of helping someone else. But God can and does redeem it. You know Joseph's story. Joseph... What a, what a story. Sold into to slavery by his brothers. 
you know, he's a hard worker. He's going to make the best of a rainy day. He, 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 he works hard, rises up into Potiphar's house only to be falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He's thrown in prison, but he's going to make the best of that. He, he does well in prison. He, he interprets dreams and God elevates him beyond that. And God is always using Joseph's hardship. And if you remember, he meets his brothers at the end of the story in Genesis chapter 50. And, and there, the brothers realize, oh my goodness, this is the one that we caused to be separated from his dad and threw into the pit and went to Egypt and went to jail. And they were afraid. And Joseph says, don't be. You planned evil, Yeah. But God planned it for good. God planned it for good. We may or may not walk in pain. That's up to God. But as believers, we must not choose to waste it. When you walk through pain, redeem it. Use it for God's glory. Use it for what He planned. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so through Christ our comfort also overflows. The church has and will continue to suffer like Christ. Uh, Christ was limited by coming to earth. He was rejected by men. His ministry was understood. And the scripture teaches that the church will suffer. And while it's hard, it will help us to see the value of being in Him. That when we suffer, the, the comfort of Christ overflows in us and through us. Verse 6, if we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which is experienced in your endurance of the same suffering that we suffer. Paul knew other people were watching his story. They were watching his life and he knew if he stood strong and felt the comfort of the Lord and continued on in ministry, others would be encouraged by that. Verse 7, and our hope is firm. Our hope for you is firm. Because we know that as you share in the suffering, so will you share in the comfort of Christ. This is going to be the story of all believers. We will face hardships. In this life you will have trials and tribulations. Suffering comes to believers. Pain comes to us. In verse 8, he moves from a general principle to a specific instance. He says, For we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction that took place in Asia. They were afflicted at all points along the road, but specifically in Asia, maybe the church at Corinth knew about this particular instance. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired our life. And Paul talks here in this passage, notice this, when you see so that in Paul's writings, he's telling you why that passage is there. Earlier he said God comforts us in our affliction so that we can comfort others. Here in verse 8 he says, we have been afflicted, we face this pain so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who has raised us from the dead. We see a second purpose of pain. God allows pain to happen in our life so that we'll depend on Him. Guys, some of y'all have been sold a bill of goods and you're way too smart to have bought them. But you did. 
you have heard and repeated, God will never give you more than you can bear. Lie. Big time lie. We often face more than we can bear. Not more than he can help us bear. If you could handle it, you would. Life often gives you more than you can handle. Paul said as much. Isn't that what we just read in verse 8? Listen to this. We were completely overwhelmed. That's more than we could deal with. We we despaired our life. Man, we hated life. This was bad. This was hard. This hurt. This was ugly. This was difficult. But this is why we turn to God. He is our strength. He's our God. He's our hope. There was a message a few years ago that really impacted my life. It was by John Piper, and it was entitled, Don't Waste Your Cancer. The premise... Is this is, is your story. What you got is what you got. And you can't change it. But you can use it for God's glory. God might choose to heal you. God might choose to use you as a shining star in the midst of adversity. But use it for the glory of God. And when your story takes... A turn down the road of pain. Don't waste it. And how can you not do that? Let me give you some quick stuff from Scripture here. The first thing I would tell you is use the moment to lean into the power of God. Pain focuses our trust in His power. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says, so that we would not trust ourselves, but trust the one who, who, who raises the dead. I mean, that's who we're trusting Notice he didn't say, trust the one who heals the sick. Sometimes he does. And can God heal the sick? Absolutely. Could he heal the sick every time? Absolutely, if that was his plan. But his plan is to defeat death through resurrection. His plan is to defeat death through eternal life. And so we trust the one who let his son go through death so that we all could overcome the grave. In this world, Jesus says, you're going to have suffering. But be courageous. I've conquered the world. How did he conquer the world? Through an empty tomb. Last week, I talked about connecting the cross to your story. Someone asks, how, you're in, how, how are you holding up through this pain? One answer of how to connect the cross to that story might be, listen, if Jesus can hang on the cross for me, I'm not going to let go when times get tough. He's been raised from the dead. And if he he chooses to deliver me from this hardship, praise the Lord. And if he allows me to even face death because of this hardship, praise the Lord. Because death is not the end of me. The second thing I would encourage you to do is live by faith in hardship. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10. He's delivered us from such a terrible death and He will deliver us. And we put our hope in Him that that He will deliver us again. He might deliver through through deliverance in this lifetime. He might deliver through eternal resurrection. But He will deliver. 
I would encourage you also to learn from Paul, and when you're facing hardship, enlist the prayers of others. Verse 11. Join us. Help us by praying. Then many will give thanks on behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. You know, I'd like to thank you all for praying for me. I know I'm probably the most prayed for person in this congregation. I I, I understand that. I'm really, 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 really grateful. Um, Sometimes I feel really, 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 really guilty. Because right now at this stage of my life, my life is not as hard as some of your your lives. Uh, But I'm grateful for your prayers because some days I come in not knowing what I'm going to face. You deal with the best and the worst as a pastor. I've said to the staff, if it comes to my desk, it's either going to be really good or really bad. One morning when I was 27 years old, I got one of those bad moments. I'd been out hunting that morning a friend in the church. We'd come in. It was a foggy morning. Foggy morning during turkey season. We didn't have any success that morning, but we had a good time with one another. I just got home, and turkey season, you end up kind of wet head to toe somehow, and I don't know how, but I did. And I was getting my old wet clothes put away, taken care of. And I got a phone call. It said, Pastor, you need to get to the hospital at Tell City as quickly as you possibly can. All right. It's about 15 minutes from where we live there at Pellville, and I drove as fast as I could go to get there. This was just, I think I had my first cell phone at this time, and I used up some of my 100 minutes for the month on that trip. But I called and I said, hey, what's going on? They said, it's, it's, it's Wes. Wes was a teenager in our church. He was 16 and a half years old. Athlete. Incredible athlete. Good looking boy. Personality on top of personality. Leader. Class president type of kid. Had transformed our youth group. Kids were coming in. Wes had overcome a pretty difficult home life. Dad was an alcoholic. And mom constantly popped pills to deal with it. Dad had gambled away their home. It's tough. But Wes had overcome. How bad is it? You just need to get here, Pastor. It's bad. Wes had pulled out in front of a semi on a foggy morning, a four-lane highway. He had pulled off of another major highway. He just didn't see the semi, and the semi didn't see him. Best we can tell, it killed him instantly. Here I am, a 27-year-old pastor with an alcoholic dad and a 
a mom who's just not there and it's getting worse. They asked me to do the funeral. We were at Third Baptist Church in Owensboro. It seats about a thousand people and there was people standing around the walls, kids everywhere. Uh, They asked me to speak. I'd never done anything like that. And God gave grace, I think, through the prayers of the people for me to get through and to present the gospel and to share. But as we were leaving and the people filed out, there was a prayer room off to the side of the sanctuary. And I folded up in there and I just lost it. I just lost it. And a 20-year-old youth minister who I'd asked to pray for me since we had heard this, came alongside. Nobody knew I was in there, but he was looking for me, and he came alongside, and he put his hands on my shoulders, and he just started praying for me. He couldn't have done anything better. God uses the prayers of His people. When we walk through the hardest stuff, we don't have anywhere else to turn but to the Lord. Where else was I going to turn? Where else could I, where, where else could I find help? You're only going to find help in those moments through the presence of the Lord and the prayers of the saints. You better enlist those prayers and you better lean into the Lord because there are moments in this life that you have nowhere else to look. Look at your fat bank account when you're in that moment. Look at your best vacation when you're in that moment. Pull out your degrees in that moment. There's nowhere else to look. And praise God when the prayers are lifted up and the presence of the Lord comes down, you know He's there. And He enables you to deal with that which you had no capacity to deal with. This is what Paul's talking about. And what the reason I included this in storytellers is you've all got a story of how only God got you through. And so I encourage you to let God use your story of pain. Verse 11. Once again, Paul says, Pray for us. You know what happened to us in Asia. God's been with us. He's comforted us. He's strengthened us. And he says, many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. Do you you see that connection to storytellers there? When you tell what God has done, many people will come to faith. When you tell how God has been faithful, many people will believe. God has kept us faithful. We've endured hardship and we still proclaim God is good. In hardship, we get to testify of faith in a way that we don't at any other point. Any kind of hardship you face puts the spotlight on your faith. Stephen Brown suggests, and I don't know if he's right or not, but it's interesting to me. He says, for every pagan who gets cancer, there's a believer who gets cancer so the world can see the difference. God, help us be faithful so that you'll be glorified. And I believe if we fail to share our hope in suffering, many people will fail to acknowledge the power of the gospel.
Everyone faces pain at some point. We all end up on that cul-de-sac. Standing before the Creator. Some with deep questions, some with hard questions. And the good news is, believers who've endured pain have a story to tell of that journey. God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, is good all the time. Two takeaways. If you're in pain this morning, don't push Him away. Run to Him. He's not the author of your pain, but He is the comforter in your pain. And then for those of us who are here who are believers, don't waste your pain. Take misery and make it a ministry. Let God help others through you. Let's pray. Father God, I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would take this time and God, you'll speak to us. We ask, God, that for those of us who, Lord, have been frustrated at times because of the events that we face, God, that we would have faith and would lean into you. Father, for those that we see around us who are hurting, I pray that we would be faithful to pray for them. God, I ask, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts because of the presence of the Holy Spirit that walks beside us at all times. And now as we enter into this time of decision, Lord, I pray if anyone needs to make a decision, I pray, Father God, that you would be honored by the decision they make. In Jesus' name.